I think every leader has their own crazy story from the last two years, right? Whether it's a student who's going on the job market for the first time in this environment, whether it's a college student who's you know, campus got shut down during their freshman semester, or whether it's a seasoned CEO who had to make choices they never envisioned having to make. And so I think now is a really important time for that processing, that reflection, and that incorporation of how do I take everything that happened, what went well, what didn't go well, and incorporate it into my future schema. And I think that's not just going to happen on its own. It's going to take deliberate reflection. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome back to this special episode. I hope you're doing well in this home stretch of the year. Maybe you're doing a lot of reflection on what's been happening. You know, a lot of industries have been through extreme challenges over the last few years, and healthcare may be among those at the top of the list. As you may know, I work across different industries in my own consulting business, and more recently, I've been serving leaders in healthcare and higher education based on their need to navigate change, think more strategically, and create cultures that best support team members and those they serve. Most of the clients I work with are change agent types of leaders. And today, I'm bringing to you a guest who I've enjoyed getting to know and who has valuable insights to share, especially for healthcare leaders. But as you'll hear, the takeaways really really apply to any leader who is facing extreme challenges and who wants to be more courageous and make a positive impact in their own organization or industry. Dr. Catherine Meese is an assistant professor in the Department of Health Services Administration at UAB. That's the University of Alabama at Birmingham. She also serves as the Director of Wellness Research in the UAB Medicine Office of Wellness. Catherine has several years of industry experience, encompassing work in 10 countries on four continents, including management for a large academic medical center. Her work has been published in a variety of industry publications and journals. Her research interests are in well-being, burnout, team performance, quality and safety, and delivery models that enhance organizational learning. Catherine and I will talk more specifically about well-being in my next episode with her. But today we put together this episode just to share a few highlights or takeaways from the 40th National Symposium for Healthcare Executives. So this episode in particular is a great one to share with any leader you know in healthcare who might have an interest in this topic. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Catherine Meese. Catherine, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited that we get to debrief on what was really such an exceptional event that I was um, fortunate to attend, the 40th UAB National Symposium for Healthcare Executives uh, that was held in Birmingham, Alabama recently. Um, And I know that you were uh, heavily involved in organizing it and moderating and did such a great job hosting 
And it's so helpful to reflect, I think, and, and look at some takeaways. So often we we get back to our jobs and we're just in the thick of things and it seems like a, a you know distant memory. So I think really reflecting on some of the key takeaways and what you were trying to achieve during that event will be really helpful. I'm excited, Gail. You know, I'm still processing all of the many takeaways from the event. I'm, I'm on a high. I think it went so well. And it was our first large event to do post-COVID. So just the joy of being in person in a room together, I think I underestimated how wonderful that was. Yeah, especially being in healthcare. So many people are, are not used to being in person. And so it was a great experience. I know that you all picked the theme of courageous leadership for a changing future. So maybe we could just start there in terms of talking about what courageous leadership means and how that can be applied in healthcare. Because I know we've got a lot of people listening that are in healthcare leadership. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting. So I've worked in other industries, including oil and gas and finance, and I think healthcare is certainly its own beast. But at the end of the day, there are so many features of our industry that are similar elsewhere. We just have a few specific elements, mostly the altruism in the work that tends to to create some additional dynamics. But, you know, um, so there were sort of two themes around courageous leadership that arose from our panelists and speakers. The first was looking at what do I do within my organization to be create courageous in these very uncertain times? And then the flip side of that is what do I do as an externally facing force in the industry as an organization to be courageous? And so, you know, talking about sort of more the external face, we heard from organizations like Houston Methodist, for example, that was one of the first organizations in the country to mandate vaccines and who realized that I can't live out my value as an organization if I don't follow the science and also make sure that we're protecting our patients and our employees. And so knowing that there will be lawsuits, knowing that they might lose employees in a time where there's a scramble for talent. So we heard some really interesting examples around that in terms of the external face. Internally, I think what was so interesting sort of thematically around courageous leadership was what do leaders do when things are really not going well, right? And so our leaders in healthcare in particular, and this varied a little bit by organization, but they were dealing with just phenomenal challenges. I mean, just like every every other industry was as well. But how do I send my people to the front lines knowing that I don't have PPE to protect them and that they're putting their families at risk? How do I take this person who now is at risk and has put their families at risk and then also have to implement a pay cut or a furlough? And so all of these decisions that were having to be made were really challenging and, and made a difficult environment. Um, so the courageous piece of it was for the leader to say, boldly, we know this isn't going well, but I'm right here with you. I'm going to be in the trenches with you and we will get through this together. And I think, you know, I saw a lot of variation in that across the industry in terms of how leaders responded. So, you know, we had some organizations where senior leadership said, I don't want to be exposed to this. I'm going to run this organization from my lake house. And we had organizations where the CEO was was gowning up and taking out the trash to relieve the burden on the nurses. Yeah, I love seeing that, by the way, and hearing the story of that, uh, the speaker who talked about doing that, and people didn't even recognize him as a CEO of or senior executive of that hospital, because he had on a mask. Yeah, so that was amazing. Exactly. It's almost like an episode of Undercover Boss. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're, you're not trying to prank anybody. And so, you know, I think, to see the hope and the encouragement and inspiration from our students, from our young people in the room, to to see this example of 
courage combined with a servant leadership approach um, in a way that really did put people at significant risk to themselves, I think is is such a great example um, for next generation leaders. Yeah, there were so many examples of of courage that were talked about in the event. What do you think were some of the key takeaways that stood out to you? Because I know I took a lot of notes and was so inspired by just the uh, the optimism that was there, you know, despite the multitude of challenges that healthcare executives face and continue to face. So that was one takeaway for me is the importance of continuing to be positive or some others, were there some others that stood out to you? Right. So I think kind of building on that, there was a little bit of a paradox in terms of optimism because of the depth of brokenness of our system. And so let me kind of disentangle that a little bit. What I sensed from people was, you know, those of us who have been in healthcare for a while, we've known this industry has been breaking for a while, right? Like there's so many factors, regulatory factors, competitive factors, organizational factors that make this industry very challenging. I think COVID poured gasoline on all of that in a sense and really exposed some of the critical weaknesses in the system. And so for people who have long been advocating for change, there's almost a sigh of relief of, finally, now everybody sees that this is a real issue. And I will say, you know, for myself as a well-being researcher who's been interested in clinician burnout, you know, pre-pandemic um, and the increased rates of suicidal ideation and suicide among clinicians, there is a recognition now more broadly of the extent of this problem that it's important and that we have to address it. Yeah, I was going to add somebody quoted, you know, that change really happens when the pain of status quo is greater. So it, it seems like that was really playing out. Exactly. And so I think, you know, on the micro level, a lot of systems and processes in place that were inefficient got wiped away. And and in many instances, organizations have been trying for years to get those things to go away. And so I think the optimism is, you know, before there was a sense maybe that change needed to happen, needed to happen, or change was optional. And now I think there's a shared sense that change must absolutely happen, and it must happen faster. So I think there's hope in that, knowing that we can rebuild better and differently. Mm -hmm. They had some discussion about short-term problem solving versus looking at the long-term and how to balance that. seems like that's another issue. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll say, for example, you know, the way that we're seeing that manifest is, you know, a couple different things. One, we have staffing shortages right now, right? And so the temptation is to say, how do I keep my units open? I'm going to hire a bunch of traveling nurses. I'm going to hire these people. Um, we're going to get more people into the organization. That's the short-term fix to relieve that pain point. But the longer-term solution, the longer-term perspective has to be, am I creating a culture where these people want to stay? You know, what am I doing to retain the people and the talent that I have? One of the things that's important for us, and I imagine is similar for other industries, is that, you know, an employee is not an employee is not an employee. So if you lose a nurse and replace that nurse with another nurse with the same credentials, you might have just said goodbye to 30 years of experience and replace that with someone who has one year of experience. And so I think the longer term perspective is what do we build now so that we're solving these problems for the future in perpetuity rather than just addressing the short term pain? Yeah, I really did like seeing the emphasis on culture. So many senior executives spoke to the, the need to be deliberate about the culture that's being created. And they talked about shared values, too, as being so important to really uh, let that be your guiding force as you go through change. And, and that also helps to create shared accountability as well when you have shared values. Absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes this is another sort of differentiating feature of healthcare. 
I think sometimes because the work is so meaningful and purposeful, there's almost an assumption that we have shared values, right? Like we're all here because we want to help people or we're all here because of the patient. When in reality, those organizations need to be doing just as much around intentionality of building that shared value system and culture. Um, Otherwise, other things easily creep in. And because people have chosen that work for the meaning and purpose in many instances, they see it as a calling. Then when there's a disconnect between those perceived values and what values are actually getting manifested in terms of how we design, you know, performance measures and accountability, that disconnect becomes all the more jarring because people are expecting the the meaning and the purpose. And so, um, you know, I think that's why in many of the helping professions, whether it's teaching, whether it's healthcare, we're seeing some of this friction. Mm -hmm. You also had a heavy emphasis on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So what, what are your thoughts on that in terms of some of the key takeaways? Because I know that a number of speakers we're reflecting on uh, th- that as a value in their organization and something that they're so committed to. Absolutely. So it's it's critically important. You know, there's been some great work around how do we make sure that our healthcare workforce reflects the communities that we serve. You know, people want to see themselves represented when they go visit their doctor, when they visit the nurse. Um, and so we have a long way to go. So in healthcare. Um, specifically in the clinical professions, we've made some advances in certain areas and not others. And in the healthcare leadership space, we still have a long way to go in terms of the diversity of our senior leadership teams and of our boards reflecting the patient populations that we serve. But, you know, the the research is pretty consistent and pretty compelling that diverse teams uh, that are psychologically safe outperform um, those that do not have diversity. Um, and so, you know, both from the performance imperative, but also from the um, aim to serve the, you know, to reflect the patients that we serve, that element is so important in our industry and others. Yeah, for sure. So I know that the the composition in the room, uh, we had executives, we had students, anyone else interested in learning about healthcare leadership. So um, talk more about how how the program is structured. What what is it designed to do, and and how does it operate? Right. So I had the privilege of of getting to plan and coordinate this year's event with a, with a great team here at UAB, and um, you know we've done it for forty years. So that's a long time. Yeah. No. <laughs> to mess up number 40, right? And um, it is a long time. And and I think, you know, sort of the guiding principle around this event is, you know, I'm housed in an academic space, right? Our bread and butter is teaching and training future healthcare leaders. And so if I'm coming into the classroom with knowledge from old articles or old textbooks, and I haven't been inside a hospital in a long time, Um, there's a high risk that what I'm teaching and what I'm training my students is going to be irrelevant for the healthcare industry that they're walking into when they graduate. And so we have a very intentional approach to trying to create these opportunities for us to engage very closely with industry so that they're telling us, this is what I need from your future leaders that you're training. And we can also share, here's what we're learning from these exemplars in the industry or from the research perspective. And so really this this event is an intentional design to try to make the cycle of translating things from research to practice so much faster and in real time. So it helps us stay relevant in the classroom. It helps us strategize about how we're going to equip the leaders of tomorrow with the skills they need for this new environment. But it also helps us bring learnings from research to the industry in a, in a format that's 
digestible and easy to implement and understand. Yeah, that's such a great point. I was just talking to uh, another client today uh, that's in in work related to healthcare, uh, providing data in healthcare space. And so and we were just talking about the importance of recognizing the the new environment, designing the organization in a way that's really looking at where it's going, um, not based on the traditional models. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really relevant what you're doing to try to partner and create more real time learning that way, right? Right. You know, I think there's there's often a criticism of academia that there's, you know, sort of this ivory tower where it's disconnected from the reality of practice. And so this is our attempt to build a bridge um, for the rapid transfer of learning and information. And so certainly it's it's there are other efforts that need to be involved, but um I appreciated the liveliness of the discussion in the room between researchers and students and practitioners. Um really learning together in real time. It was very energizing. Yeah, good. Um, any other thoughts on best way for people to learn more, to, like to, to, to develop themselves as a leader, um, apart from being a participant in the event that you were hosting? Yeah, you know, a couple things that are on my mind recently, um, both from this event and also um, from my own research. One is that you know, I think people are potentially a little bit brittle. So there's been, you know, over the last couple of years, there was sort of this need to hunker down, put your head down and manage the fires that were coming up and execute and keep the doors open and do these things that we had to do to survive. And as we're coming out of that survival phase, you know, just going through hardship doesn't create learning, reflecting on going through hardship and, um, sort of demystifying those experiences and exploring them is what creates learning. And so I think every leader has their own crazy story from the last two years, right? Whether it's a student who's going on the job market for the first time in this environment, whether it's a college student whose you know, campus got shut down during their freshman semester, or whether it's a seasoned CEO who had to make choices they never envisioned having to make. And so I think now is a really important time for that processing, that reflection, and that incorporation of how do I take everything that happened, what went well, what didn't go well, and incorporate it into my future schema. And I think that's not just going to happen on its own. It's going to take deliberate reflection. And in many instances, potentially a coach, potentially a counselor. You know, we've seen in our own data that 10 to 15% of our healthcare workers, both clinical and non-clinical, are experiencing at least some symptoms of PTSD and compassion fatigue. So people are walking wounded in a sense. And so without doing that important work of recovery and also reflection, we're not going to come out of this as strong for the next um, the next crisis that comes along as we could. Yeah. And that became clear when so many were stating the fact that uh, healthcare leaders are the worst at self-care, right? And taking care of what they need to, to, to make sure that their well-being is what it needs to be. We're going to be talking more about that in part two. But uh, yeah, so important to recognize that. Um, I just wanted to ask if if there's anything more specific that you wanted to share in terms of, of what you want people to know about the program or any specific actions that you would suggest that they take if they attended, if we happen to have some attendees that are listening in and uh, reflecting on their own learning, or even people obviously who haven't been a part of it, what would you suggest as some potential action steps? Yeah. So, you know, I think this is a great season and opportunity to invest in yourself as a leader. So. Um, Maybe the last two years wasn't the right time to work on your tools and skills, but I think now is is totally the time for that. And my guess is that many of the people listening 
saw areas where they really shined and were strong in leadership and saw areas where there was room for improvement when the pressure was put on. And so this is a great time for, you know, getting that coaching, going back and getting a different type of education, whether it's for a degree or not, you know, go develop those tools while we're in this quieter time and space so that you're equipped for the next challenge. Um, And so I think continuing and not losing sight of the importance of that personal development is huge. Um, And then of course, you know, I think storytelling is really important. And so what stories do you need to tell yourself? What is the narrative you need to tell yourself about the last few years? Or change possibly, or change right. your story if you have to, right? right. Or and, see it yeah. differently. Yeah, exactly. And and what elements of the story are not helpful to you, right? Your path forward. And so um, I think that's from an individual perspective, that's important. I think from an organizational perspective, that's important. So we can't just keep moving forward and hope that people come up with a good story about all the things that happened in the last two years. So how do we also look backwards and say, how do we have a shared narrative around what this was, what was good, what wasn't, and how we're moving forward, I think is a really critical component. Yeah, that's great leadership. Yeah, and my hope for uh, healthcare leaders in particular is that they're not too hard on themselves. You know, it's so easy. They take their work so seriously, as do uh, most senior executives, and to look back and feel frustration or second-guessing about decisions that they made or regret, to position it as learning and growth is is just such a critical reframe to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I think this is the case for many leaders, but in healthcare specifically, you know, there were so many um, industry-wide or or nationwide policies and factors that were influencing the worker at the bedside. So supply chain disruptions and, um, you know, different policies around vaccines and PPE and all these things where um, the leader, the healthcare executive was left sort of holding the bucket for the results of those factors. So they became a very easy target for anger, for frustration um, from their employees, but they were doing the best they could with the information that they had. And it was really an impossible situation. And so you're absolutely right to point out that people do need to give themselves grace and forgiveness, that you probably made the best decision you could make with the information you had at the time. And you know what? With COVID, from week to week, we all had more and different information. It was a lot to assimilate. So, you know, people really do want to give this their best. But we also know that when the brain is on stress, it's not optimized for best decision making. Right. Well, thank you so much for for sharing a few insights and takeaways. I just thought it would be really valuable to reflect and to even model how important it is after you devote time and energy investing in yourself in an event like that to to talk to someone. It could be a peer, someone else who was there, share insights that you learned with your team to keep that ripple effect of the learning going because it will only help everyone. So appreciate your taking the time to do that. Any final thoughts or takeaways? Um, you know, I just, I think I'll close by saying I share the hope that was shared by people in the room, you know, that things have been so disrupted that we're not renovating a house, we're rebuilding a house on maybe an existing foundation. And um, of course, you have a lot more creativity and design, and you can come out with a better end product when you get to rebuild. And so um, I think we're in that space now. I'm looking forward to the next decade in healthcare. I think it's finally going to to get to where it needs to go. Good. Always love ending on a positive note. Okay, Catherine. So what is the best way for people to learn more about your work and engage in what you're doing? 
Certainly. So of course, personally, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, learn about you and what you're doing. But we also have UAB Center for Healthcare Management and Leadership, which um, does many things, including supplying embedded researchers into organizations to help identify and solve sticky problems. Um, we have a huge data analytics infrastructure that we're able to help organizations that maybe don't have that expertise in-house. And then, of course, we love training future leaders. And so um, any ways that we can partner with industry, it makes us better. And our goal is to really shape the future of healthcare and, and um, you know, to make a difference in the industry moving forward. Good. Such an awesome mission. And I'm so happy we could share some time together promoting the good work that you're doing. I love highlighting clients, especially when it's so so mission driven, like the work that you all are doing. So thanks again for joining me. Thank you. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week learning in the ways that matter to you and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.